Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new era of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. I am Stunning Sean, and I'm joined by my interim co-host, the perfect partner. He's from this Windy City. He is no other than Jake from the Windy City. Jake, how are you doing? How are you doing, Sean? Thank you for having me. It is a huge honor to be in this uh, amazing, legendary podcast, Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Thank you for having me. And uh, looking forward on what we're going to discuss today. And by the way, shout out to our good friend David. Uh, we, um, wishing you all the best and a speedy recovery. And we can't wait to have you back uh, back here on the chair, man. Exactly, Jake. Now, Jake, let's have a little conversation about your wrestling background and exactly who Jake from the Windy City is. So who is your all-time favorite wrestler? My all-time favorite wrestler is pretty quite obvious here in the second city, CM Punk. A very good choice there. And which promotion do you most follow uh the mo- the promotion i most follow these days is all elite wrestling i follow both dynamite and rampage on a consistent basis uh, dvr them both i'm having the most fun just watching that as a wrestling fan exactly i think aew has kind of brought a lot of people back into wrestling who were kind of turned off from the current wwe product but that may be changing here as we head over to the news this week Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's been quite the news week uh, over the past week. And I gotta say, in general, 2022 has to be one of the wildest years in the history of professional wrestling. All, you know, starting in earlier in the year with Steve Austin uh, coming back into the ring, Cody returning to the WWE, um, and all as well as Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor and other things that I'm forgetting. It, it will sure be one hell of a year in the, in the, in the, in the wrestling industry. His, in the wrestling landscape so and jake we're only six months into the year we still got another half a year to go absolutely it's only we're only heading to august so uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a wild ride uh throughout the next uh five to six months well with that being said let's head over to the control center and catch you guys up on a extremely busy weekend of professor wrestling news This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. Okay, Jake. Going back to Friday, I woke up Friday morning learning that Triple H was going to be the new executive director of talent relations for the WWE. And I headed off to work thinking that was going to be the big news story for the weekend. And later on in the day, my phone blows up and it's like, oh, hey, um, Vince McMahon is returned from the WWE. And it's been one story after another. Yeah, it's been it's been one hell of a story after another. Um, I gotta say, it's the over the. I think Friday has become the uh, the new big news uh, day, <laughs> like, like a- heading into the weekend, and I just don't understand like what's happening. So the thing is, is that I was here in my computer uh, just uh, doing some work stuff, uh, and that's what I uh, log on to Twitter, and it was like a, a couple of minutes uh, beforehand, I saw the tweet where Vince uh, put out now, oh, then now forever together thank you wwe universe and i was and i couldn't comprehend what just happened uh i and i decided to log on to the various different websites to see what's going on and i to be honest with you i never thought i would see this day uh considering that i'm only 25 years of age it's uh i to me it's probably the biggest one of the biggest news stories that i've seen in a while probably outside the the steroid trial back in the 90s or uh, or the Benoit or the Benoit tragedies so I mean this is very significant exactly Jake this is probably bigger than Vince buying WCW back in 2001 I, like you I thought I would never see the day that Vince McMahon would retire from the company I thought he would be there until he went on to the great beyond and we would have like Stephanie or Triple H step in afterwards but as we've gone through this weekend, we have found out that 
the SEC, which is the Federal Trading Commission, is actually investigating the WWE for not totally like showing the $14.8 million that Vince used of money that it was his, but he didn't file it with WWE and their uh, statements to the SEC. So a lot of different places are reporting that might be the reason Vince decided to retire right there. You know, it's interesting because we've seen we we've seen the couple uh, the fir- the initial first two articles from the Wall Street Journal uh, going through uh, going through uh, the non disclosure agreements to various women and uh, at the first one it's claimed to be a consensual quote unquote uh, relationship but then the second one that came a couple weeks later uh, probably like a, a couple weeks ago that was pretty eye opening s- seeing some of the details of that and. Uh, and, but we, I was still skeptical to see if anything would change. Uh, you know, uh, we've seen, we've seen that in the, in the, in that initial Friday, uh, back in June that, uh, Vince stepped down as the voluntarily stepped down in the interim as chairman, chief executive officer. And we've seen that Stephanie McMahon, uh, took over that role in the, in, in the interim basis. And, but I was, but he was still the head of creative. He was still running the show. He was still booking all the angles and the storylines, uh, still ha- making the final decisions. And yeah, I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be business as usual. And I got to say that uh, when looking at the past few weeks, like you've seen the uh, those segments where he came down to the ring on Raw, on SmackDown. Uh, he put up a, a very confident face that, and he was on this, you know, this confident stance that nothing's going to take me down. Uh you know, and proclaim to the WWE universe, uh, to their fans that uh, we're all in this together. And I was like, okay, a little bit tone deaf, can't read the room, but you know, it's typical of of one Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And I thought that, yeah, well, we'll just see what happens from here. And yeah, like a couple weeks ago, he was he he was uh, pretty spot on. He's not leaving, and something might have happened within the next few days that. He realized that I got to get out of here. So we we don't know what exactly happened behind the scenes, but it must have been pretty damning, Sean. I think it would have to be, Jake. I feel like it was something that he saw coming that may have affected the value of the company since he does hold a lion's share of the stocks for WWE. So I feel like he made this move to, quote-unquote, save the company because I feel like there's could be a lot more to this iceberg that we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely agree with you. Um, and then it's interesting that uh, initially I was surprised past this past Friday when we found out that Paul Levesque, Triple H, was going to come back to the uh, to the town relations role uh, because uh, considering how much um, how much he has done well in uh, in the developmental system in NXT and after a year of. I mean, he pretty much failed uh, trying to go head-to-head against AEW, Dynamite, and Vince and Nick Khan was laid the lowdown on on Paul that uh, this cannot keep going and we need to overhaul NXT. Uh, I mean, in their standpoint, they considered it a colossal failure. And, uh, yeah, it's just a pretty surprise that uh, uh, that he came around, and especially especially in the midst of his health issues uh, this past year, um, considering all the uh, his his cardiac issues and how much he's been working nonstop 24-7. So, and he's, and with this, not only is he taking over town relations, but he's going to be as going to be the the final decision maker in the creative so that's that's a lot of jobs for one person so i'm kind of surprised that that took place as well exactly i was kind of surprised to wake up monday with the fact that he was taking over creative for wwe so i got a feeling later on we're going to find out there's going to be a new executive vice president for talent relations because somebody's going to have a light in this low for triple h because literally, his health is probably not going to be able to let him do both jobs. Yeah, I mean, I w- I've said that about Tony Khan as well. I mean, he, he, even though it's a smaller company with AEW, like he took, he's taking up a lot of responsibilities as well. And you know, he, it, you know, for for both guys, it be uh, it could be a ton of significant burnout for the both of them. Exactly, and I don't want to see that with Triple H because I mean, knowing his health conditions over the past year and stuff, and what he means to wrestling as a whole for his whole career, I want to see Triple H have a long after wrestling career. I don't want to see him be to a point where his health is back in risk again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, con- uh, considering like he still has three young girls, uh, and 
and also Stephanie's as well as a full time uh, is a full time uh, executive uh, as the chairwoman in WWE as well. So, I mean, both them are like considering a few months ago, Stephanie uh, made that tweet that she wanted to step back and focus on her family. And now, like, literally a month later, she's back in the midst of things. With that, I do believe that is this the loyalty Stephanie has to her family? Because I feel like she was ready to get out, do something on her own, and all this dropped, and she's like, I gotta go back, help the family business. And I like the fact that she's gonna be the person over the wrestling section of it, and they got Nick Khan being over the business side of it. So she doesn't have to do both, because we've seen for the last 20 some years, the face of WWE was Vince McMahon. He was both business side and wrestling side. Mm -hmm. He was the number one, like starting in in 2021 and 2022, like this past two years, like he was the number one intellectual property of WWE, uh, basically, in, in the lack of better terms of it. Like uh, everything was, uh, was you know, everyone wanted to work with Vince McMahon. Um, uh, he was close to getting a, a memoir uh, together of uh, focusing on uh, a significant part of his life. Uh, there were rumors that there was going to be an, a documentary made by Netflix, which uh, uh, after this scandal uh, took place. Uh, Denise Salcedo broke the news on Twitter that uh, that's now scrapped, and uh, he's involved. Uh, and he also he was going to be involved uh, with that uh, with that uh, uh, that non-fictional um, portrayal regarding the steroid trial in the mid '90s. Uh, he's going to play. He was going to play a significant part of that. And yeah, I mean, he he was going to be involved in a lot of uh, different projects. And, you know, now that this happened, we, we don't even know if those things are gonna, still going to take place. Exactly, Jake. This is a continuing story, and I know for sure this is going to come back up week after week here, coming through August on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. We're going to slide over to our second news story. As Nick Wayne, the 16-year-old wrestler from Seattle, he was over in England doing a show for Progress Wrestling, which you'll be able to see on the WWE Network in a few weeks. On his flight back to America... His plane got diverted to Greenland because of a possible bomb threat. And I saw this story and going like, oh my freaking word. Because it was like six hours into the flight over to back to the States. And they had to divert to, I do believe, the American Air Force Base there on Greenland. Yeah, that's got to be like a scary situation. <laughs> so <laughs> when we was detained in Iceland, uh, do like a bomb scare on a recent flight. Like, wow. I mean, I mean, he's, I mean, it's got to be, uh, thank goodness that he's safe uh, and now back on the ground. Exactly. And the stories coming out of this was like the fact that the, they held all the passengers and they individually interviewed the passengers and scanned every piece of luggage and stuff on this flight. So it was a significant holdover there in Greenland. And I just can imagine this 16-year-old teenager and his mom being on this flight and be like, the mother going like, we're never going back to Europe for a while. He is scheduled to to wrestle a significant part in Ric Flair's last match. Well, not not the actual match, but in the card, uh, in, in the undercard uh, this Sunday. Uh, he's going to be in a Four Corners match with Alan Angels, uh, Jonathan Gresham, uh, Kanosuke Takeshiga, um, and Nick Wayne, uh, all in a Four Corners match. And man, and, and well, 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 we'll just see if if uh, what the update will be that will the update will be for that match. But it's still scheduled. It's still um, it's still planning to take place uh, this this Sunday. And uh, even that, so that's the that's the current update on that situation. Okay, we're starting over to our third news story of the week. As Cutler Hoddard was reporting that Edge was scheduled to be on last night's Monday Night Raw, re-debuting, and plans changed, so they're holding off on Edge's return. I bet anything, if I had to put money on it, Jake, Edge is going to turn up at SummerSlam, and he's going to cause his former Judgment Day their match against the Mysterios. That's what I expect as well. You know, it, it, his... Like his association with the Judgment Day, I was not a huge fan of, and uh, and I wasn't the only one. Like it seemed like uh, it had a lot of. It was slammed by uh, some fans as well, and uh, and you see there out of nowhere, you know, saw the Judgment Day uh, turn on him, and decided to take a break on that uh, due to some creative. And we heard from backstage reports that it was due to creative differences, and it looks like he's going to be back as a. And hopefully he'll be back as a babyface and tag team with the Mysterios at SummerSlam. So hopefully he'll get back his his Alter Bridge theme song. <laughs> exactly. This, like, twisted turn to a hillside, like, out of nowhere, basically, for Edge. It was kind of weird because we were heading into WrestleMania season and everybody's been wanting to cheer Edge and have an Edge face run and see him get the title from Roman Reigns. But WWE goes like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to do this. And we're going like, what the hell? <laughs> we're going to do that. It came out of nowhere, dude. Like, 
I, I thought it was going to be, like, a, a longer storyline, like, at least, like, you know, going through, like, six months throughout the year, but, you know, it only lasted, like, about a couple months, so, I mean, that's, that's WWE booking in a nutshell, pretty much, like, they start something, and they can't find a finish for it, and they just let it go. Exactly, Jake. We're going to slide over to our final news story of the week, as back at San Diego Comic-Con, CM Punk addressed his health status, and he gave us an update that he didn't just break his foot, his foot was shattered, and he had to relearn how to walk, and there's no timetable for him to come back to AEW Wrestling. So, a lot of people have been thinking he might be ready for All Out coming in September. I think it's going to be more like full gear in November at the earliest, or we might be looking at 2023 at this moment we do have some more additional details this is co- this is coming from pwinsider.com uh, a source working backstage at san diego comic-con told pw insider uh, they crossed paths with AEW talents across the last several days multiple times and they said it was obvious how much pain cm punk was in while moving around at comic-con and those people saw him icing his foot multiple times in backstage so it looks like yeah i was hoping that he would come back at all out uh, to face john moxley as 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 in case you don't know john moxley is the interim aew champion cm punk is the undisputed uh, aew world champion but because of his foot injury he's taking a uh, some time off he did come back a couple of fridays ago doing the cage fury fighting championship commentary uh, he uh, as you know he also has a side gig doing commentary for cffc uh which is a mix which is a regional mixed martial arts promotion so he so he definitely uh, came back for that and but as of right now like no further updates uh on his foot foot situation and but uh yeah, so he was, but, you know, it seemed like he had a lot of fun at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, thankful for him, he was with, uh, uh, he was with Brian Danielson and a, and a couple other guys, um, and uh, with uh, Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen as well. So, it's going to be very interesting, but uh, thankfully, it does seem like, uh, according to reports, that uh, Brian Danielson uh, will be coming back on Wednesday. He did confirm that at the AEW panel at San Diego Comic-Con. Exactly, Jake. And his first match back is going to be against Daniel Garcia. And I'm so excited for this match. I can't wait for tomorrow night and be able to see this match. I'm really excited for this match as well. As you know, Daniel Garcia, he's probably going to be up there as a candidate for most improved performer, in my opinion. Like, to see how articulate he is. He had a great match uh, with Wheeler Yuta at the Ring of Honor uh, Death Before Dishonor card, which was a tremendous card overall as well. I mean, it was definitely worth the $39.99 that I paid uh, for, for that entire night, so... Yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to a couple of cats coming back uh, from injuries. You know, this, you know, the past few months, uh, especially during the summer, both WWE and AEW have suffered, their talent has suffered some significant injuries and uh, created such a, uh, you know, some kind of a stagnant drop on in terms of star power. Exactly, Jake. And I do believe AEW has been able to ride this wave of injuries, but having the fact that Daniel Bryan is ready to come back to the ring is going to be something to inject some new enthusiasm into AEW, and I do believe they're going to see a bump in their ratings coming up here in the next couple of weeks heading into All Out. Yeah, within the past couple of weeks, uh, AEW has... Uh, gone through some, you know, consistent, you know, ratings. Uh, you know, they're still, they have been number one in, in the cable primetime slots uh, the past couple of weeks, but they've been sticking around uh, around that 900,000 range. So it'll be interesting to see if those ratings bump up uh, within the next within the next month. Okay, so Jake, we're going to leave the control center there. We'll catch up on news next week. We are heading over to your very first run at the 96 questions. Are you excited? Let's do this. It's time for the stunning six questions. All the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully Sean and Jake can figure it out. Okay, Jake, our very first stunning question. Which was more tone deaf? Was Titus opening to Monday Night Raw more tone deaf than Stephanie McMahon's opening to Friday Night Smackdown? It was really bizarre to see this uh, last Monday on Raw when they opened up with Titus O'Neil coming up. Uh, you know, coming up on the show immediately, was in the middle of the ring, and just putting out this raw-raw speech to to the audience. This is why we uh, we view WWE as an escape. We're not going to deal with politics, we're not going to deal with re- uh, religious um, differences and all that, and, you know, it's kind of like, there's a bit of a double standard there, because, you know, they've had storylines in the past where they've dealt well with those <laughs> with those issues and but yeah i gotta say with 
after what happened with Vince, uh, I gotta say Stephanie was more... Uh, Stephanie opening the show and just encouraging the crowd to say, thank you, Vince, and leading that chant. It was really... He, it, it's just the the purest example of not reading the room and was just complete tone deaf and just you know just tasteless in my opinion it's i I just can't believe what i just saw right there okay so jake part of me can feel for stephanie because i feel like she wants to say some stuff to defend her father but i wish nick Khan would have gone to both of them go like what are you guys doing because this is nowhere near anywhere what a rational business would do they would have a spokesperson out there not on TV, they would be releasing press statements to the media, and they would never mention the stuff about Vince on TV. They would just run the shows as normal. But here we are, we're in Bizarro World, inside this little bubble that they create that is the WWE quote-unquote universe, and Titus and Stephanie are trying to rah out the troops. Remember in June 27, 2007, uh, right after the Benoit, uh, the Benoit killings uh, on Monday Night Raw when Vince was in the ring and he was eulogizing Chris Benoit. And then they didn't, they didn't find out until the middle of the show. And then what happened the next night at ECW, you know, Vince opened the show, not in the ring, but in like in a backstage, like in a separate room in a backstage area, uh, proclaiming that you're not going to hear Benoit you're not going to hear Benoit's name in this program. I think at least they should have done like done like the same something similar with Stephanie. Do backstage, do like a little statement, uh, you know, thanking thanking her father, all the contributions, and then move on. Like you know, just focus on what they have tonight regarding angles. Any angles? Uh, continue with the SummerSlam type of storylines. Simple as that. It's like you know, it doesn't have to take up that. And just hearing you know, just hearing you know, Stephanie's uh, just just pathetic uh, discourse uh, among uh, among the fans it was just you know it, it didn't it was just cringeworthy to watch i agree with you jake that was just like i sat there and i was kind of like i can't believe this is happening and this is like going through like people going like hey this is okay go ahead and do this it's fine yeah fine go ahead go ahead and do this <laughs> yeah uh it's it was really hard to watch but Okay, so we're moving on to stunning question number two. As we look at the future of WWE underneath the triad that is Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, and Nick Khan, what do you see for the WWE as we're going into a new era? You know, there were reports uh, a couple of months ago, right around the time when Stephanie was going to take a step back uh, to focus on her family, that, uh, you know, Stephanie and Nick Khan weren't getting along that much. But hopefully there will be some sort of uh, some sort of you know improving uh, improving discourse between all all three all three of them and it's going to be interesting what it's, what it's going to look like i'm not going to expect immediate changes uh right now because you know, we just came off monday night raw and you know there there might be a there might be a couple of uh how should i say this uh changes on that but uh, it all going to depends on what the next few months will look like both in the business side and the and in the presentation side um jake I got a feeling that this might lead us down to the road to the eventual sale to WWE to like Disney, Fox, or NBC Universal. I think like as long as Vince McMahon was actually in control of the company and the figurehead, they would never sell it. Now since he's retired, stepped away, and we're in this new kind of quote era of WWE, I can see Vince wanting to cash out and just be like, well, I can't be there, so why do I have this? So I can see them actually selling this in maybe, say, 24 to 36 months. You don't see him inheriting it, um, giving it, and um, and Paul and Stephanie inheriting it, inheriting his shares? Is that completely out the window, in your opinion? No, it's not out of the question of possibilities. It's just I want to see the first couple of months here and see how the direction goes. Because it's all up to how Triple H and Stephanie feels about running the company now. Because they're going to be the ones that are in charge of the wrestling side of this. And Nick Khan is known for coming into companies and setting them up for sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we've all seen it with the UFC, uh, what they did back in 2016 when they sold it to the William Morris Endeavor. And, you know, it was it was Dana White that didn't want to, uh, to sell initially. You know, he was very close with the Fertitta brothers. Uh, it, uh, it was that consortium uh, that owned uh, owned the ship. And, and it made a huge profit to... Uh, back in 2016 and when they sold it it was like over a billion dollars in in, in over a billion dollars in that sales so and hey it turned out well for the ufc and for zufa uh they're still going strong in 2022 so i'm really curious uh what moves the wwe will make uh, within the next few years if we do if we are going to see a sale could be you know fox or or comcast nbc universal it might be it might also uh, maybe endeavor can also uh, make a play for WWE as well, and then, you know, we can see both WWE and UFC under the same banner. 
Exactly, Jake. Now, my third stunning question for you is, what do you see Triple H's role going forward as he's taking over creative and the executive director of talent relations? Are we going to see overtures to Sasha Banks and Naomi, hey, come back to the company, let's try to work together? Because I got a feeling that Triple H is going to slowly but surely rebuild his framework that they stripped down like the last six months. Absolutely. I mean, you we've seen his his track record. He had an amazing. He laid out an amazing framework. What we did with NXT, you know, several years, and he's it's been successful just for several years. And we've seen how NXT became, you know, the the hardcore fans' his uh, favorite product. Uh, it was the super indie. Uh, that uh, super indie that uh, fans really loved and appreciated. We had an amazing talent. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, he could play make a play for Johnny Gargano and uh, Gargano to encourage him to come back in some sort of fashion. Hopefully, this will encourage Tommaso Ciampa to stick around uh, if he does. If he does uh, feel like you know, I got I got to get out of here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I could see him make a play to to make some phone calls and to see, hey, if you if you want to come back, you know, I would love to have you here. So yeah, I mean. Like I said before, I mean, he's taking a ton of responsibilities for one guy. Um, you know, um, hopefully he will delegate some of that responsibilities to other people so he doesn't have to feel all that, you know, that pressure on his shoulders and doesn't get too stressed about it that much. So that's that's what my thoughts are in that Discord. I can honestly see, like, Road Dog coming back to the WWE to help Triple H out backstage and i can also see once billy gunn's contract with aew run out billy gunn might make his way back to the wwe as well yeah i mean i could see him uh, make a play to bring some of the staff back uh we know that jeremy borash is still around so that's a good thing so get some a couple of his boys to come back and uh help steer the ship for the company so it's kind of interesting that uh, you know <laughs> we we've seen uh, we've seen like the craziness of dx Back in '98, like just like it's like the the inmates running the asylum, and you know that could possibly happen uh, right here. Yeah, especially uh, considering that Shawn Michaels is running NXT at this moment, and it's gonna be very interesting what uh, NXT will look like um, within the next year uh, to see if it's are they still gonna stick around? Are they still gonna be focused on that pure developmental strategy? Um, strategy or are they? Are, I hopefully they're gonna. I mean, I mean, over the past year, I was really disappointed seeing some some of the cheesiest gimmicks uh, in NXT. I mean, that's not that's not what NXT is supposed to be about. It's like you know, just I mean, we, we've we've seen you know, Hunter had more of a fascination of in ring style, authentic promos, and just a focus on a focus on mechanical and in ring work. Jake, I got a feeling that we're gonna see NXT 2.0 slide into a hybrid 3.0 version as Triple H slowly but surely changes the company. It's not going to go back to that super any level. I don't believe it ever will. That's the good old days of NST 1.0. But I do see a transition to something like a hybrid between the two. Because you do need to get these newer talents on TV. You let them have some TV exposure. That way they're ready to bring up. And I feel like with Triple H in charge of creating WWE proper... The people that move up to the main roster now, they're not going to be job out like EC3 and Robert Roode and so many other people. Like, hopefully Paul Levesque can use his position to help bump up uh, some of those talents. So, it's going to be very interesting to watch uh, to watch coming up. Okay, Jake, studying question number four. I'm going to AEW because last week, their main event was the Barware Everywhere match. And I had a feeling that this was going to be the blow-off to the feud between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. Did they just jump the shark tank with the shark cage and everybody interfering in the match? I thought they jumped the ship uh, for a long time now, to be honest with you. I thought that in Blood and Guts, that was going to be the 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 final the final chapter of that feud. Uh, it looks like, you know, I, man, I usually enjoy Dynamite every Wednesday. That's my favorite show to watch, but that main event was really atrocious. It was out of control, and... Um, that could be like a segment for Botchamania uh, in the future. Uh, it's just it just continues to drag on so long, and it, it, you can see Eddie Kingston there before the show went off the air that he was disappointed and frustrated. You can see it in his face that <laughs> that he lost, and that should have been like the ultimate, you know, climax. You know, Eddie going over, uh, but it seems like this is gonna keep going on and. You know, like, maybe it's going to drag towards All Out, so who knows what's going to happen there. I feel so bad for Eddie Kingston because... Yes. 
he's so good. He he's good as a heel or a face, and he's and he spent all this time getting us to believe that he's this badass baby face, and he's going to kick Chris Jericho's butt all around this ring, and we're going to elevate him onto a match maybe with John Moxley or something else. He's going to be another person you can put in that main event card. At the end of this match, he is so over. He is so over with the crowd, and that match didn't do anything for him. It didn't benefit. It didn't benefit him in any any shape or form whatsoever. It's you know it's it's really bad. Jake, this would be a video clip when you type in the words "dumb dumb babyface." This match is gonna come up because they made him look like a freaking dumb dumb babyface. It made him look like an idiot. So yeah, it's it was it's really like you know really really cringe to watch so and you know eddie kingston deserves better than that so i i hope that we don't see this feud last longer i mean but unfortunately it looks like i mean to be honest with you i'm not i have not been a fan of you know jericho's recent work it feels like he's just rolling around the motion rolling along the motions uh and you know as I, to me i think the steer i think the the wheels are definitely <laughs> steering off a little bit because like I don't know, his he's just not doing it for me uh, at this point recently. So you know he was so good with like the uh, inner circle. I enjoyed that whole thing with him and MJF. But coming into the Jericho Appreciation Society, I'm going like we've been here, we've done this. I like to see Jericho go away for a while and come back because we can't miss you if you don't go away. Right. He did the inner circle stuff, and now we're, we're he has a new faction. Like we've already seen this. Like why are we going back to this? So yeah, I mean, like, I-, I would like to see Jericho, like, take a break and focus on Fozzie for a little bit, and this does not benefit Chris Jericho whatsoever. Uh, you know, he's one of my favorites of all time, and to see him just go through the motions with this, and uh, just, like, st- staying along in this such a stagnant character, just not working at this point. Another thing they've been doing is, I feel like AEW has not been able to book a babyface after they win a title. Um, look at Heyman Adam Page, and most recently, look at Warload. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, the, the TNT title, unfortunately, has been played off like hot potato uh, over the past year. I mean, it's going from guy to guy to guy. That's not what... I, I really thought that AEW would learn the lessons of what WWE has been doing with the Intercontinental Championship. It's been... Uh, it's it just... The way they're doing it, they're really devaluing that title. And with Warlow winning the belt and consistently being booked into comedy matches, like, I, I know, like, people love Orange Cassidy, but that's not what I what I would like to see from Warlow, who is supposed to be, uh, you know, the equivalent of, of Bill Goldberg in the modern day. You know, being a powerful, a powerful big man that, uh, that fans can get behind. And they're not doing that... They're not doing that with him so far. And it's just really disappointing to, uh, to see him in that position it's I, I just don't i just don't get it so i i you know i i i hope they do i hope i hope warlow does turn it around uh sooner than rather than later or else it's it's gonna be too late exactly they spent all this time almost two years now building this guy up to be the big giant killer as we're all watching him with mjf and we all want him to beat mjf so freaking much he's already done that and we've been less of a month and a half and it feels like Okay, we got done with that story. Um, we're like, I'm sorry, we don't have anything for you. Here's the TNT title. Have a great day. Yeah, it's I just I just don't understand it. <laughs> it's really it's really bad. So nothing else to say. Okay, Jake. Things that also don't make sense. Let's go to stunning question number five because if you watched Death Before Dishonor back here on Saturday night last week, we saw a 10 minute match for the ROH World Championship between Claudio Casanoli and Jonathan Grissom. What the freaking hell was that? I, I was happy that uh, initially I was happy that Claudio won uh, the championship. Uh, it really, it definitely, you know, gave gave him justice. But after thinking about it and seeing all the reports afterhand from from Fightful Select that Sean Rossap put out there that he was pretty upset and told told Tony Khan to to f off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I looking back at it, I was pretty shocked that that was the 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 Ring of Honor World Championship is the curtain jerker match and it was only 11 and a half minutes they could have done more with it probably put like a bit a bigger build on this uh they did a a fine job in that countdown show on youtube that's a ring of honor put out there on their youtube page uh and yeah i mean i i'm a I, i've become a huge fan of jonathan gresham over the past few years and to see him just you know 
he 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 seemed to have no motivation coming out. If you if you see that footage of him coming down to the ramp, it seemed like he had no motivation. And yeah, I really feel bad for him. So, but yeah, I, I was not a fan of the Ring of Honor World Championship being the curtain jerker opening match. Okay, Jake, I had no problem that match being the opening match. I have a big problem with the fact they only give them like eleven minutes. That should have been twenty five minutes. And the fact that you're going to give this title over to Claudio, and you know you're going to give this title over to Claudio, I would have gone to Jonathan Gresham. I would have made sure he had a few matches on AEW Dynamite in like the last three months or so defending the Ring of Honor title. Because it feels like they never gave him a chance to be on national TV with the title, giving him the proper respect. Then they want him to do the job to give the quote-unquote incoming WWE guy, even though he's originally Ring of Honor, Claudio Casanelli, the title. So I can feel for Jonathan Gresham being pissed off. I mean, yeah, he had he had a couple of stints with uh, with Rampage uh, over the past few weeks, but it was only a small part. Like, and you know, it was, and now that you know, he's not even aligned with Tully Blanchard anymore. And now there are there are reports out there that he's no longer in the in the company uh, with uh, with Tony Khan. So it's just really confusing. And you know, I I sort of yeah, I really f- do feel bad for Jonathan Gresham. Well, I hope Jonathan Gresham takes a time away from professional wrestling, but he comes back. Either he comes back to Impact or he just does his own promotion like Termis was for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to leave professional wrestling because he's a freaking good professional wrestler. He is a great technical wrestler. I mean, back in 2018, I saw his match. The first time I saw him was that uh, that uh, Iron Man match that he had with Jay Lethal. And he he is one hell of a guy in the ring. I mean, mechanically, he is so smooth. Uh, and he is... He is I could see a little bit of, you know, early Bret Hart in him, how he can take these technical moves. He's very submission-oriented. He is very talented. And to be honest with you, his promos really improved, especially, like, in the last Ring of Honor card uh, last year in 2021, how he is so passionate about keeping Honor uh, an important stance in the Ring of Honor landscape. And so, yeah, I mean, I hope he, I, I hope this is not his final swan song in professional wrestling i would like to see him come back either if it's going to be an impact or mlw i mean the the good thing is that there are other options out there and he also has his terminus card uh, which i was a fan of uh, that first terminus card uh so how pure wrestling is really the uh the number one mold in him so so hopefully uh, hopefully he'll stick around Okay, so we're going to slide over to our stunning sixth question of the week. As we're talking about Rian Honor, now they're coming off a successful death of British Honor. So what do you want to see from the future of ROH? Because now, during this void where there's no TV, Jake, do you want to see them have like a YouTube show or something? Because they need to hit this while the iron's hot. Absolutely. I mean, you know, AEW has two YouTube shows with dark and elevation obviously it's gonna for the fans uh, they're gonna uh, hit burnout eventually and uh you know I, I i don't i'm watching dark and elevation the past couple you know past couple months and i just don't see the need for you know both of those when you already got dark which is already long enough uh and i i would like to see ring of honor have like a consistent show for a while if they're if they're still planning on getting a TV deal, hopefully within the Warner Brothers Discovery family of networks, uh, I would like I would like to uh, continue to see them have a regular presence because eventually, yeah, eventually you know fans are going to forget about it and forget about it and maybe uh, maybe take take that over and uh, be involved in the AEW YouTube in the interim. So uh, yeah, I mean. As we know, the Briscoes are are, are signed into a full time deal in in uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, but as of right now, what does that mean? So hopefully, hopefully Tony Khan has his uh, finger in the pulse, and hopefully he's uh, he's uh, planning something big for Ring of Honor. So, but to be honest with you, I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen. Even though I do have those questions, because you know, uh, Ring of Honor needs that rebuild. They do exactly, especially coming off the amazing main event they had between FTR and the Bristos. It's two out of three falls and normally with a two out of three falls match you know they can fall in that trap of being generic and you know the outcome but this one I was on my edge of my seat for all three falls because I could literally see the Bristos or FTR going 2-0 straight and do the sweep but that third final fall I mean I was I was fighting for everything they were doing. They had an amazing match even at Supercard of Honor. Uh, that, was an, uh, that was a pure... 
pure slugfest between FTR and the Briscoes. That was amazing. I still kind of prefer that match. Uh, that is a match of the year contender for me now that we're coming up uh, to the, the second half of the year. And, and wow, like the Briscoes have not lost it at all. So I'm really, I'm really um, curious what this new Ring of Honor will do for them. Well, I was happy that Samoa Joe was able to retain his TV title from Jay Lethal, and I was perfectly happy that there was not that much outside interference because I had a feeling going into this card that Jay Lethal may get the TV title, and it was going to be like kind of funny outside business, and it was going to be a great match. It was also another great match that you need to go back and watch. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I'm happy that Samoa Joe kept the, uh, the television title. Uh, he is one of the biggest stars uh, of all time, and he was one of one of Ring of Honor's uh, original stars as well. So to have that have that connection between the old school, uh, nostalgia, and to be here today uh, with the modern Ring of Honor under Tony Khan, I'm really I'm really excited uh, what they're uh, really excited what he has um, what Ring of Honor has in store for him. I hope he continues to have a presence and hopefully he comes back uh, and continues to have uh, more of a presence, especially in AEW. Uh, with Dynamite Rampage. We haven't seen him in a while. Hopefully he'll come back to uh, to those shows. Now, personally, one of my favorite matches for this Death or for Dishonor was the Women's World title match, Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb. That was a Mac classic, and I was kind of disappointed that Deeb's didn't get the victory, but I was still happy with the result of the match. I think they're sticking with Merce- uh, Mercedes Martinez uh, uh, for the long haul for a while, but I agree with you. They went for 17 minutes, 20 seconds. It was a... It was a, a masterpiece, like close to a masterpiece. It was a mat. Uh, they kept it on the mat. Mercedes Martinez looked great. Serena Deeb is, I gotta say, really um, is, is coming is finally getting getting to me as a heel. Her promos are improving, and really liked uh, really liked uh, what they're doing with her. So, yeah, I mean, still, I I, I definitely agree with you. That was definitely one. Uh, one of my matches of the night. Uh, I still consider FTR and the Briscoes my match of the night, but that's definitely in second place for me. Well, another match that could be in that second place slot was the pure title between Yuta and Daniel Garcia that we already kind of hit it at. That thing was freaking awesome, and you see the future of either AEW or ROH in these two guys. I really liked at the end there when they tried to do the Code of Honor, and you saw Daniel Garcia just blow him off, flipping him off, and he is such a convincing heel. And he fl- and when he went up the ramp, he flipped off at the at the Ring of Honor stage and the logo. He has definitely improved a lot over the past year, and he is one convincing dick. <laughs> so really proud, really proud of both of them. And obviously Wheeler Yuta, he is. I mean. He's like he, he was like Houdini in that match. So uh, tremendous performance by both guys. Uh, it was a definitely a pure classic. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we all co- uh, constantly say that you know ROH has too many titles. AEW uh, has too many titles as well. But I'm really happy how uh, how the talent is uh, being portrayed in these in these big cards, especially. So. You know, props to Tony Khan. It's it, it, it was definitely a thumbs-up show for Death Before Dishonor. Okay, so two more matches we got to talk about real fast. The ROH six-pin title match was The Righteous versus Dalton Castle and The Boys. And I got a little bit of advice here because The Boys are from Knoxville, and I kind of sort of know them, and they're pretty cool. So I was happy to see Dalton and The Boys win the titles from The Righteous. It wasn't the best match. I know a lot of pure wrestling fans are probably going like, they like Dalton as an act, but... He's not really an ROH kind of wrestler. Right. Yeah. I Yeah, someone would agree with you. Um, the Righteous were okay in this. So, you know, uh, whatever you say about Dalton Castle, he's pretty entertaining to me. He's, yeah, he's He has such a great and funny vibe in his character. I just don't see what the need is for a six-man tag team championship. Uh, you know, uh, for AEW, I would, kinda, I would definitely prefer a, a, a trios uh, championship. I would, love, I would love to see that in... In that promotion specifically, but I mean, I don't know like what what the meaning for this type of championship would be. So, and is there even more, you know, six man six man uh, six man tags uh, in this promotion right now? Besides, like you know, the Embassy and uh, Alex Zane and and Blake Christian and Tony Depp and uh, in the in, in in the in the pre show, I should say. Exactly, Jake. Because as I'm thinking about it, with this limited ROH roster you got, you could have held off on this been title here and this had a match with Dalton Castle versus one member of the Rises with the boys on the outside and that would have been perfectly fine for a pre-show match. 
Right, exactly. So, I mean, in Ring of Honor right now, they have six titles in total. So that's that's a hell of a lot of titles. And, you know, not everything's going to mean anything. So, uh, mean, they're not going to be held to a high regard. And, you know, Ring of Honor is still small. They don't, they're not on a national distribution platform. So, I mean, as of right now, like I, I, I can understand if some fans don't really... You, uh, don't really uh, hold them to any relevancy for some of these titles. Okay, so the last match that we haven't talked about yet was the Battle of the Brothers as it was built as Dragon Lee faces Roosh. And this was another match that I felt like they left something on the table here because it was short. Yeah, it was 15 minutes. Uh, well, close to 16 minutes. I would definitely would have loved it if they go- went longer. You know, props to Dragon Lee. Some of his, uh, some of his great acrobatic moves. Uh, Roosh, obviously... One convincing son of a bitch. Uh, so yeah, definitely, I, I I concur with that with that statement. That oh, it could, could have at least went longer on that. Exactly, and they had Roosh in here now for about a month and a half, being part of a group with Andrade. And I'm going like, here's your next big hill that John Mosley can face if you give him some time and some screen time where people can see, man, this guy can wrestle, and I want to see him fight John Mosley. Mm-hmm. Someone that John Mosley can definitely have a a couple of programs with, so... Yeah, I mean, I wish it could have been longer, but uh, pretty interesting where Roosh goes from here um, within the next few months. Exactly. I'm kind of excited to see the future of ROH here underneath the Tony Khan umbrella of wrestling. Yeah, despite the flaws, like, I'm I'm, I'm really uh, optimistic, I would say. I mean, it was a thumbs-up show. Carl was fantastic. Uh, FTR, they're... Man, there's so much I can say about FTR, but... They are just so well done, so well versed as a duo. Uh, they're one of the best tag teams, particularly in this century. Um, hopefully, we'll see that uh, climactic, uh, that climactic match with them and the Bucks. Um, unfortunately, they don't have the. Unfortunately, the Bucks don't have the AEW tag titles. Uh, but hopefully, one more match uh, for kind of like that trilogy type of match. I would love to see them and see them do that. And yes, FDR, they're they're pretty much a lock for best tag team of the year. Exactly. I can't think of another tag team that had a better six month run so far, and I doubt anybody can catch them up in the last six months. Oh yeah, they're way ahead, and it's going to be hard for other tag teams to uh, be neck to neck to neck, uh, with, with both cash and Dax. Really proud of those guys. And I think the icing on the top, uh, I would love to see if, if Jim Cornette would be a manager, uh, for, uh, for FTR. Fortunately, that's not going to happen anytime soon. It looks like, but, uh, you know, I'm they're, they're, they were such convincing heels when they first came in to AEW and especially in their NXT run, they were really well-versed heels. It's really nice to see them in a babyface role. Uh, they remind me of, like that mix between the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express, and uh, they're so and and seeing that promo last week on Dynamite about Dax, it was so really it was legitimately heartfelt. It was emotional. It was authentic. Uh, talking about his daughter, uh, his wife, uh, really really meaningful, and definitely felt that. So, yeah, really proud of those boys. Exactly. They are a strange combination of the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express because they can play either side of the coin. And if you told me that like a year ago, Jake, I would have told you you're crazy because this is the best Hill tag team in like forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of happy that, you know, like we, we've seen it from Vince when uh, during that mid-2000 era when it was such a stagnant in- industry. They didn't put an emphasis on tag team wrestling at all. And it's really cool to see such a revival in tag team wrestling over the past few years outside of the WWE umbrella. Um, a couple of like very talented tag teams. Obviously, the Bucks are are my favorite, but FTRs is up there as well, uh, neck to uh, neck on neck and neck and neck with a. a within each other so i mean hopefully with this new regime in wwe they'll have the chance to offer more tag teams a chance uh, uh speaking of which pretty well said jake let's slide over to our last segment of the week it's a very new segment we call it on a tap as we preview what's coming up that you need to watch and we're going to preview wwe SummerSlam. what's on tap the guys give you their picks on what you can't miss this week Okay, Jake, the 
WWE is offering us SummerSlam in a weird slot because it's like July 30th. Usually this is more towards the end of August, but here we are a month earlier in the first month. The first match I want to talk about is Logan Paul versus The Miz as they're trying to make Logan Paul a baby face. Is this mission impossible? <laughs> I mean, if you saw last, we were recording this on a Tuesday, but if you saw last night on Raw, uh, he was, uh, the crowd didn't really had a like, had a, a huge likening to him, uh, to, to Logan Paul. Uh, last night, uh, they did have one hell of a brawl last night on Raw, uh, both The Miz and Logan Paul. But uh, I have no idea where this match goes uh, on SummerSlam this Saturday. So it could, it could go both ways here. So, I mean, I I have a feeling that they might have to, they might going to put Logan Paul over here uh, for the first time. Now that he's a full-time contractual performer in the WWE. Exactly. I got a feeling that Logan Paul's going to win this match. And I want to see, like, a double turn here. I want to see Logan Paul just naturally be the jerk that he is and let The Miz be a babyface coming out of this match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I would really like to see a double turn here, to be honest with you. And The Miz could come out of this as the babyfaces. Uh, to be honest with you, I've been, I have been watching Miz and Mrs. Uh, he's, he's such a likable person. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, like, you know, The Miz is best as a heel, but it'll be pretty interesting what the, uh, what the outcome is. Uh, for for both for uh, both Logan Paul and the Miz, so he's both really entertaining people. Um, despite what you uh, what fans would say about the Paul brothers, but uh, I have a feeling this could this could be uh, somewhat of a surprising match here. I do have a feeling on that. I do too, Jake. I don't think it'll be up to say a Pat McAfee level of a match, but I do believe that Logan Paul is going to take this seriously because he has already signed his contract with the WWE. And he's been in different funny environments. I feel like it's going to be better than what we're thinking right now. Mm-hmm. He has taken this seriously when he was at Mania. So, I mean, props to Logan Paul. Uh, I mean, he is the, you know, the fan. So, uh, he could be in one, well, he could have like one hell of a year. Um, maybe an underrated year, I would say. Okay, up next on our preview here is Riddle versus Seth Rollins. And probably one of the best matches on this card. Yes. That one I'm probably the most looking forward to uh you know riddle uh i mean surprisingly uh meet uh, surprisingly to me enough he's really coming on his own as a single star and seth freaking rollins obviously he's having some of the best the best like promo work uh with uh, within the past year like when he started when he started this type of character um i wasn't a huge fan of it i thought it was very annoying but he, since then, he has become more cohesive, uh, and that Cody feud really helped him a lot on that. So um, it could be interesting uh, what it looks like. Um, I do predict that Seth Rollins will win this match, to be honest with you. Jake, I got a feeling that you're right about that, and I wish you weren't right about it because I would love to see Real to beat Seth Rollins here. <laughs> and we can get Seth, we can get Real back into the world title picture because I kind of want to see another match between Roman Reigns and Matt Riddle. Because the first one they had was pretty decent. And I feel like a world title run with Riddle would be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see another match between both Riddle and Rollins, to be honest with you. So, I mean, it could it could happen both ways. Uh, but, you know, Seth Rollins is really strong right now. And probably the most likely outcome I could see. So, yeah. Maybe can Riddle can Riddle can redeem himself uh, in the whatever next match they both have. Exactly. Now... I'll give you this. Seth Rollins reminds me of, of evil Matthew McConaughey in this character he's doing right now. And I'm and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I'm enjoying it too, yes. And he, he's kind of had some of those uh, those uh, Batman 1996 Joker vibes, <laughs> to be honest with you. So, like, he's tremendous. So, he kind of, like, you know, he basically got, you know, he has... He has some influences by our old friend Jason Agnew in terms of his uh, his suits. <laughs> it's on point. Yeah, his suit game is on point, I gotta say. Suit game on point. Okay, next match up for us is the women's Raw Women's Championship match. Nasul's very own Bianca Belair, Jake, <laughs> get a hint, versus Becky Lynch. Yeah. You know who you're taking, right? It's SummerSlam, so... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I just don't know what, what, to think of, what to think of this, so, yeah. I could see Becky Lynch doing a squash again here. <laughs> okay, so to be fair here, 
I feel like this match is going to be 50-50. I have no idea how this outcome is going to come. And I might get a nasty email from David. But I get a feeling that they might put the title onto Becky because Bianca has had a good run with that title. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she did have like a significant run that title, but uh, to me, overall, Becky is the overall better report, uh, the overall better performer. Uh, I really like uh, what she's doing uh, uh, on WWE lately. So, I mean, t- to be honest with you, I I would like to see Becky uh, get that title again. Yeah, I mean, it's known how David feels about Becky, but me personally, seeing what I've seen her in the ring, I enjoy her in ring work. Okay. Up next is probably going to be the shortest match on SummerSlam's card. It's Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. And Jake, there's only one outcome that's going to make everybody happy. It's Pat McAfee beating Happy Corbin. <laughs> I hope it's just 10 seconds, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I hate Corbin with a passion. Uh, he sucks. Uh, <laughs> I'm so annoyed by him. Uh, we always say uh, X-Pac heat um, all, all this time. To me, it's Corbin heat. Uh, I don't like him. I hope Pat McAfee just squashes him, kicks his ass, and we get out of this uh, for a while. <laughs> we, we get out of this, like, forever, to be honest with you. Exactly, Jake. Let's quickly move on to the next match, as it's for the undisputed WWE Tag Team title, as it's the forever feud as the Street Profits battle, battles the Usos. Are we still caught in this loop of matches? Is there going to be one so winner here? Are we going to finally see who's the highlighter? Now that we have the icing on the top here... With Jeff Jarrett unexpectedly serving as the special guest referee, which, like, that came out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> how did this become, like, the spot Jeff Jarrett would be in, uh, refing the tag between the tag championship match with the Usos and the Street Profits? I, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it's so, it's so funny to watch. Um, I do expect the Usos to retain the titles here. Uh, they're on a, they're on a roll so far, and, I mean, Angel Dawkins and Montez Ford, they're entertaining characters, an entertaining duo, but uh, I do see probably like a five to ten minute match here, And I, uh, but uh, the Usos are w- so well consistent, I'm going to predict them to be the, the winners of this match here. Exactly, I don't see how you take the titles off the Usos right now, and if you do put them on the street faucet, the question I have for you is, who do you face besides the Usos, because you don't have another top-level Hill tag team. They don't have a, a well-in-depth tag team roster in there which is kind of the unfortunate thing okay so we're moving over to united states championship match as fury tries to go for the double dip here as he keeps telling us every week at first he's gonna have to face bobby lashley for the united states title mm-hmm. well you know we've seen that uh <laughs> interesting we've seen that promo with a uh, theory and roman reigns uh this past monday and uh you know pretty much roman reigns uh, destroyed him uh considering how much of a a goof a theory looked like after that so um you know bobby lashley i'm glad he's coming on his own as a as the baby face now um so but i do expect maybe a longer match here probably like around nine to ten minutes i would say uh very cohesive um i do predict bobby lashley will retain the united states championship here i'm with you jake but it would be interesting to see them put the u.s title onto Fury here going into later in the card and everybody going like, is he really going to be the double champion? Because that would be a freaking wild story. That could be one interesting story. Uh, but theory, I'm just not behind as of right now. So, <laughs> Okay, let's go over to the SmackDown Women's Championship match as everybody's favorite Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey. And I got a feeling, Jake, I'm hoping that the summer of Liv is going to last just a little bit longer because I'm not ready for Ronda Rousey to get the title back. Yeah, I would love to see Liv get a longer title shot, uh, sorry, a, a longer title reign with this, but, you know, we've seen this before, uh, with, with Biggie, uh, cashing in his title belt, uh, cashing in his Money in the Bank, um, briefcase, I, I just, I just have a feeling that we're gonna see something different here, um, uh, we're gonna see a similar situation here, I should, I should say, uh, excuse me on that, so... Um, I think Ronda's going to regain. Jake, I'm kind of fearing that you're correct on that. I'm kind of hoping that maybe Charlotte Flair might make a appearance here and somehow screws this matchup. There's a no contest, and we go on to next month's pay-per-view where you can have a triple threat match. That way, if you're going to put the title back on Charlotte Flair, it doesn't have to go back onto Ronda Rousey 
and an intern. And I fear that right. Liv Morgan is going to be nothing more than an intern, like a quote, quote, transitional champion. Exactly. Like what happened with Kofi, what happened with uh, Big E. Once they lost the titles, they were swept to the sidelines. I, I could see, you know, Charlotte coming back um, from her hiatus. This could build up to Cla- to um, Clash of the Castle uh, in, in, Cardiff, in Cardiff, Wales uh, by Labor Day weekend. Maybe we'll see that triple threat match uh, there um, in in the stadium. So might be might be the out might be the uh, the direction they they'll go with. Okay, Jake, we're up to the final match, the main event of this card, as it's for the undisputed Universal title. As Brock Lesnar takes on everybody's favorite tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Who do you have in this match? Well, let me just ask this first. Do you expect color in this match? See, that's an interesting question now, because we're in this quote-unquote new era of WWE. I bet we do get color just a little bit here in this main event, because what is a last-man-standing match if you don't have a little bit of color? Mm-hmm. What is a last-man-standing match if you don't go, um, no, um, pardon the pun, all in here? <laughs> with steel steps, with steel chairs, tables, um, maybe brawling onto the crowd. Um, I don't expect that part, but... Uh, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I do think it's going to be a, a very, probably a very comprehensive match. It could go around like twenty-five to half an hour. Um, I do, I do expect Roman Reigns to uh, to uh, retain uh, the undisputed championship here. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm I'm tired as I'm tired of this feud. I hope this is going to be the final match for both of them. Uh, um, I was really disappointed in in that WrestleMania match. Uh, it's just so, just so stagnant. Uh, uh, not doing a lot. Just, uh, just, uh, just punches, Superman punches, and and suplexes on and on and on. Very repetitive. Uh, so I, I just, yeah. I mean, this to be honest with you, this is the least the the match that I'm least looking forward to anyway. So, but I but I do hope Roman Reigns does retain the title. I agree with you. I do believe that the Tribal Chiefs should hang on to this title. Now, by some odd chance that Brock Lesnar gets this title, I think this will give us a hint of how long he's going to stay with the WWE because reportedly last Friday night on SmackDown, he kind of left the building after he found out that Vince McMahon was retired and they got him back into the building for the last segment was heavy rewritten. So it could be included with Brock Lesnar in there to toss around Fury like a ragdoll. And I kind of hope that Fury comes down here and tries to catch this thing in, and they both beat the living heck out of Fury and just toss him out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Toss him out of the ring. Um, yeah, toss Fury out of the ring. Uh, yeah. I hope we don't. I, I hope we don't see a feud between Reigns and and Fury. Uh, oof, that's gonna be tough to watch. Um, do you think this is gonna be the last time we'll see uh, Brock Lesnar in a while? Uh, considering like the the previous reports over the past weekend, I actually do, Jake. I feel like he's going to do this match. He's going to go back and he's going to evaluate the situation, and it's going to take Triple H and Stephanie and Nick Khan to do some ne- negotiation. And I feel like if they bring Brock Lesnar back, you will have to give Brock just a little bit more money and a little bit more of some whatever he wants to. But these two guys need to have different feuds. These are two good talents. They just need two different feuds to go against. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I want to see Roman Reigns uh, challenge other people. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. So, I mean, I'm done with this feud. Uh, Lesnar can go back to Saskatchewan. I mean, we've seen it himself that he he doesn't want to do this without Vince. So I don't know. So, <laughs> and I mean, Brock has generational wealth now, so he's well off. His family's going to be well off. Yeah, and I feel like he'll be. What else can he do? Yeah, and I feel like he'll yeah. be happier if he's away from the WWE, back in Saskatchewan, living the farm life. And you know what? Bravo to Brock, because he's got all this done. Yeah, I mean, he he has been here for a decade. Ten years. Like, it's been, like, May of ten years ago when he came back to the WWE. What else is there left for Brock Lesnar, to be honest with you? There is nobody on a WWE roster right now, outside of who he's wrestling, that would make any sense to face Brock Lesnar for any kind of big money match. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't see him like going to the undercard and and uh, challenging for like you know some second tier title. I mean he's gonna. I mean he I, I, and I doubt he wants to do that as well. So yeah, I I I, I don't like. What else is there left for him 
what what else is left for him to do in the WWE system? Exactly. Jake, he would go to AEW before he would go to the mid-card of the WWE. Sure. <laughs> and if we could fantasy vote for a second, if he went to AEW, him versus Miro is one match I want to see. I would love to see him. I would love to see Lesnar and Wardlow together. <laughs> that could bring him, like, his stock up, uh... Stock up significantly. That would be an interesting one if we can fantasy book here. <laughs> and really, after those two matches, he can go back to Saskatchewan and retire because I don't think there's anybody else in professional wrestling that would match up well with Brock Lesnar now. Yeah, and he is in his 40s now. He's not going to go back to mixed martial arts. Uh, so I, 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 we can definitely say that uh, that door is closed. Well, Jake, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Where can we find you outside of this great podcast? All right. Dude, Sean, uh, I really appreciate this time, and thank you for inviting me when you put out uh, when you put out that message towards me, and I finally decided, you know what? I'll do it. <laughs> this is a fun time. I had a fun experience chatting with you, and uh, really appreciate this time. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Jake Allenar. Uh, that's J-A-K-E-A-L-L-O-N-A-R. Uh, and... At times, you can find me as a frequent contributor at Sunday night's main event, especially on their Facebook group. You can finally, uh, uh, you can definitely see some of my thoughts there, and uh, you can, and not just uh, professional wrestling. I'm also passionate about music. Uh, if you want to see some of my other work, I do have a SoundCloud page. You can just find me at Jake Allenar, uh, there where I do some some various interviews with uh, with local bands here in the Chicagoland area, uh, some up and coming artists and musicians uh, and bands. So. Um, yeah, you can also find some of my other work there. And, uh, Sean, really appreciate it. Uh, uh, thank you for welcoming me into, uh, into this network and this family of, uh, into this family. And, uh, like, one more time, uh, all, uh, all the best to David. Uh, hopefully he has a, a well, a well-versed recovery and, uh, hopefully we can do this again. And hopefully we can do a show with all three of us just, uh, shooting the breeze, uh, about, you know, our love of professional wrestling. Well, Jake, welcome to the Monkey Crew here, and eventually all three of us will be on a podcast together, which will be kind of cool. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Until we see you next week, stay stunning, enjoy your weekend, and we'll catch you later. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.